everyone, and welcome back to the Retired College Athletes Podcast, a podcast designed to inspire and inform current and former athletes through stories and advice from retired college athletes. I'm your host, Sydney Umeri, and today we're chatting with Michaela Brewer. She played basketball at Stanford University, and today we're diving into her story about mental health. Just a trigger warning, today we are talking about really sensitive topics around mental health. So if any of those seem to trigger you, please do not continue listening to this episode. Just catch us next week. Um, But if not, please feel free to continue listening. Her story is really unique, and I think it's really helpful for anybody who has gone through major mental health episodes, specifically as an athlete. Oftentimes, you can feel like you're rendered incapable, and she goes on to explain how you're not and how she has kind of made that statement true for herself. So we'll get into that today. I hope you guys enjoy the episode, and I cannot wait to talk to you guys on the other side. Can you give us a bit of background on your mental health heading into college since you are definitely a huge advocate for mental health? For sure. Yeah. So I have struggled with OCD um, and depression since I was very young, probably kindergarten. Uh, symptoms started popping up and that kind of carried through right through high school and into college. They definitely started to get worse as trends show for other teenagers as well, get worse towards my later teenage years and into my freshman year in college. So depression really started to ramp up and affect my performance and how I was able to compete. And I mean, basketball, I think for me was always an escape from some of the symptoms that I had as a kid. And I got to a point my freshman year of college where it wasn't an escape anymore. And some of those symptoms were seeping into how I was competing and impeding my ability to perform. So, so okay. So the thing about OCD is it's a common term that a lot of people know, but I feel like people don't know the definition of it. So what did OCD look like in your life? Because I feel like people will say like, oh my gosh, I'm so OCD. And it's like, that's actually not it. And so can you explain a little bit about it? And then also how it was manifesting in your life? For sure. Yeah. So OCD is based off of obsessions and compulsions. So you have an obsessive thought and then the action part of that is the compulsion and what you feel you have to do in order to avoid a consequence. And it is a mental illness. It is in your head in a lot of ways. And for me, that manifested as when I was younger, as like conversations and social settings and being afraid of certain consequences related to that. And that kind of came into basketball and some of my compulsions ended up being counting things. So I would add up the Jersey numbers on my team, the people who are on the floor, count the lines on the floor. um, And that was what eased my obsessive thoughts. I had some of the other typical ones too, that a lot of people have heard of around like cleanliness and organization. And really those compulsions are just what eased some of the thoughts I was having. Gotcha. And so During your time at Stanford, you had a bit of like a mental health crisis and you were admitted into a hospital. So can you kind of explain how that situation went down? Yeah, for sure. Um, And just I'll say a quick trigger warning. I think for me, I got to a point where I didn't see another way out. I didn't see myself getting through everything that I was feeling and thinking about. Um, And there were some pretty dark thoughts there. And I actually did attempt suicide. I afterwards was able to 
get myself to the right people and to the psychiatry clinic through my coaches and some other people. And I was, I mean, I was strapped to a bed and I was taken to the hospital and locked in a room with cops everywhere. Wasn't allowed to eat with a fork or a knife because they're potential instruments of harm. And it was very scary. And I think in a lot of ways during that experience, I was very numb to everything going on around me, how my teammates were handling it. And the memories are very fuzzy because I wasn't I don't know, completely <laughs> cognizant, I think of everything going on, but it was a very intense experience. And I have a lot of opinions and thoughts about how the mental health care uh, system works, especially for people in crisis and how, you know, the first line of defense is 911 and the cops, which don't agree with, but that was how it happened. And yeah, I was in the hospital for, uh, I think almost a month just in intensive therapy and treatment. And then, yeah, eventually kind of progressed into less, less intense, I guess you call it treatment less often. So I was going to therapy and, and whatnot, like two times a week versus every day. And then eventually we progressed further, but. So you mentioned that you helped yourself get, get help after that situation. How did you go about doing that? Were, Were there like people there available to you prior to that? And then at once, once this happened, you were like, okay, I actually need to really just tap into this. Like, what was the thought process there? Cause I know for me, for example, I went to UVA, they have an awesome sports psychology, like office and things like that. But I think sometimes it's like when you're seeking out help so often things aren't seeming to get better. You're kind of like, where do I turn, you know? And so what was that thought process for you? Yeah. I mean, I, I don't think I knew how to ask for help. I didn't know what I needed. I didn't have the language for it. And I think a lot of athletes don't either. That's not something that we're taught. And the only thing I knew how to do was go to the gym and get to <laughs> get to our practice facility. Cause I knew after the my attempt happened overnight and then I kind of got myself together the next morning. Well, not really together, but ish. Right. <laughs> um, and got to the gym got to my athletic trainer and a lot of what happened after is a bit fuzzy for me, but I think somebody drove me to the psychiatry clinic and I met with the therapist that I'd been working with um, at Stanford. And ultimately that conversation of self-harm and the potential to attempt again came up and that was kind of how it happened and went to the hospital after that. But yeah, it was a very confusing, scary process because I didn't know what I was doing. I didn't necessarily know where to go. Right. Um, So I'm very grateful for the people who kind of helped me get to where I needed to be. Definitely. And so you spent a month in the hospital, worked your way out, but a month is a long time. And I can only imagine like, there's so much that you're going through personally while you're there that you're, you're not really seeing people that you normally would, maybe that's good or bad, but now you're on your way out And you're trying to kind of make things normal, but things aren't normal after a month like that. And so what, what, like what changed for you? I'm sure there were a lot of things, but like, what was basketball to you then? Like I I read your medium piece and you were just saying like, things were going to be different and I had to accept that. And so what were the biggest differences for you? Yeah. I I mean, my thought process, I think was very much that I was incapable now. Like I figured okay, all of this has happened. And psychologically, mentally, I'm not capable of competing at the same level anymore. And I very strongly 
believed that. And I think that that shaped the rest of my time at Stanford. Um, I had that in the back of my mind, even as I was in practice and, and competing and definitely putting in effort for my team and for my own performance. I was always thinking about this idea that I wasn't capable anymore because of what I'd experienced and maybe wasn't capable of what I once was in my head. And so that mindset changed for sure. And how open I was to getting better at basketball and like constantly striving to be better and perform better that that changed. I didn't necessarily see that. Um, I didn't see that as a possibility. I think, I think now I do. I think now I, I look back and I'm not entirely proud of my, my effort. I think I wasn't maybe in the right place mentally and physically to try again after coming out of the hospital and be like, okay, let's, you know, clean slate with basketball and let's see where we go. I think now I'm looking at it a bit differently and thinking like, you know, what do I have to lose? Try again. Um, if there are things that are, that are different now mentally, um, then so be it. That's something I have to work through and it's a hurdle I'll probably always have for the rest of my life, but, um, there's no harm in, in failing, I guess, if you put in the right amount of effort. So. Right. Yeah. And I think, I mean, I will give you credit for the sense of like, at that point, you're, you're definitely younger at that point in time. And so there's a lot going on. You, you just went through a huge experience. And I think, I mean, just thinking about like your story, I don't know if I would, I would probably like take on the same identity as you in the sense of like, I kind of, when things like intense happen, I tend to peel back and like, just become very self-preserving and there's not a lot of striving because it's like, why would I strive? You know, I'm just trying to hold myself together. So, um, I definitely understand that. And I I think like, it's interesting to hear you say that for people who may be kind of going through similar experiences, maybe not the same, but similar, like there is an opportunity to strive for, for better or a new start for yourself. If, um, you went through something similar to this and are coming out of it, you don't have to kind of peel back and let life happen. Yeah. Um, It doesn't matter you incapable. I think that's the biggest takeaway. Definitely. You finished your career, but like, what is basketball to you now? I know like I had my own fair share of mental health issues in college. And for me, they kind of took away my love for basketball. So I don't really play anymore. I try not to spend too much time around the sport. Like I work in sports in general, that's my job and I love it, but I don't really want to be too, too connected. And so um, how has that experience affected the way that you view basketball and interact with it today? Yeah, that's a great question. I think, hmm, I mean, my college basketball career ended very abruptly, March, 2020, I graduated. (laughs) So we got kicked off campus, missed the NCAA tournament. There was a very big lack of closure there. Um, So I felt like a lot of conversations and goals and you name it, were left with some very loose ends. So coming out of that, I was really thinking about like, what do I want basketball to mean for me for the rest of my life? Because it was obviously a big piece of everything I'd done up until that point. So I started thinking about like, am I happy with where things ended up? Am I proud of my, my effort? If I walk away from this now, am I proud of, um, you know, striving to meet certain goals and what do I want out of basketball now? So a lot of those conversations were just like floating around in my head. And I talked to a few people, talked to some high school coaches, some of my Canada basketball coaches, and just trying to piece things together. And 
I ultimately came to the conclusion that I, I wasn't happy with how it ended and that I, I had basketball goals that I still wanted to reach um, and wasn't proud of my, my effort in college, uh, especially the last two years after, you know, I, I'd gotten some more help mental mentally um, and I was doing a little bit better. And yeah, I think, I mean, I just got to a point where I was like, you know what, there's no harm in, in trying again. And so I'm currently trying to play overseas next year um, and test the waters a little bit. And I have really spent time sitting with the fact that I could fail and the fact that I could try again and realize, okay, no, there are things that I struggle with mentally now that aren't going to work out with competitive basketball. And then that would be okay, but I don't want to not try. And so that's kind of where I'm at. That's awesome. I'm really happy that you're giving it another go because I feel like it's very easy to not do that. And so for you to kind of evaluate the way that you did and like ask people and have conversations and then decide for yourself, that's awesome. And I, I hope that really goes well for you. I'm excited to track your career as you kind of start that over again. Not everyone struggles with mental health issues. And so, or at least not to the extent that um, we may struggle or other people may struggle. And so you went through this experience, but meantime, you had like a whole team observing it from the outside, you know, in whatever capacity they're taking it in. And so what is your, like, what are your thoughts on how they took it? If you know anything about that, like, was this a learning experience for them? Were they supportive? I think like, like was this the first time this has ever happened on a team like this? And it was like eye-opening for people because um, the biggest thing is like, this might not happen in every team, but this story can teach a bunch of people. So I want to make sure that people understand how they can be helpful or what can, what could have been learned from the situation from an outside perspective. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I mean, I think it was a combination of everything that you said. Uh, and I think I, those things can coexist. Like you can be really, really supportive. Um, and that can coincide with learning a whole lot through that whole process <laughs> And so I think for my teammates, they were incredibly supportive. I mean, I don't even know if I have enough words to fully encapsulate that, but really they just in the midst of really not understanding what was going on, not knowing what I needed because I mean, they didn't know, but also I couldn't verbalize it necessarily. They were just willing to be present with me. So I just remember I had visiting hours from, I think it was like eight at night to nine or 10 or so. And they were there like seven fifty eight, like with Oreos and like ready to go. (laughs) But it was just simple things like that, that made me feel like seen and that I didn't have to give them anything in order for them to be there. And I didn't have to explain myself. So they were incredible. And even as I kind of transitioned back into playing um, the rest of my three years at Stanford, you know, they didn't get frustrated with the times where I struggled in practice um, because I definitely did struggle and make mistakes and had a really hard time with that transition back into competing. And they're very patient and understanding, but also held me accountable to trying to be better too. So it was a really, I think, great learning experience and we supported each other through that. So I think that can coexist, but the biggest takeaway, I guess it was a long-winded <laughs> answer as that, you know, just try and be there and be present. Um, you don't have to understand what's going on. And the person who's struggling doesn't owe that to you as a supporter. 
and they just appreciate that presence and that like willingness to sit in some of those uncomfortable, scary, sad moments. Yeah, definitely. I completely agree. What advice would you give to anybody who is going through their own mental health issues? Like that was great advice for people who are who are spectators of it and living like with that person through it. But what about for the people who are literally going through it? What advice do you have? Yeah, I would say, I mean, for athletes specifically, you know, your, your self-worth should not be based on your performance. So if you're struggling and that's impeding your ability to perform and compete, that does not make you worth any less as an athlete or as a person. And there are so many other pieces of you and your identity um, that are amazing and that exist outside of your sport, exist outside of uh, mental illness or mental health struggles in general. So just that kind of, I guess, sense of belonging, trying to to find that in, in whoever, um, but also in yourself. Definitely. And lastly, I know you have a campaign going on uh, called, is it Unite Our Light? Um, yes. So I've seen a lot about it. I've actually bought a candle, but can you please explain what it is and how people can get involved and just the importance of it? I really think that what you're doing is awesome. Yeah. Well, thank you. Um, and thank you for buying a candle. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. Um, Unite Our Light is a partnership between uh, Timeout Software, which is my company, um, The Hidden Opponent, The Dinner Party, and Retreat Candle Co. And we are essentially raising money and awareness for athlete mental health. And that encompasses the entire athlete community, whether it's coaches, athletes, uh, parents supporting their kids, really anyone in that community. And we are just trying to start a conversation, I think, about you know, what it really means to sit with everything that we're asked to carry, whether that's pain and loss or hope and trying to redefine something like mental toughness. And we were really trying to find a way to have a physical object that would symbolize that. And so that's where the candle comes in. Um, and the, uh, net proceeds from the candle go to the hidden opponent and the dinner party. But, um, essentially if you purchase a candle, we have a whole bunch of different ways that you can engage with it on social media. We have an event coming up in the end of January. That'll be really, really fun. A bunch of expos and some round tables with mental health care providers, coaches, athletes. It's going to be great. And yeah, there's a whole bunch of other opportunities um, that'll be linked. So you can share those. Yeah, that sounds great. I'll make sure that that is linked in the description box for everybody to go check it out. Uh, please support. This is, of course, is really important. Athlete mental health is always going to be a priority to me and hopefully to everybody else. But I definitely want to thank you so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story. Um, it means so much to me and my audience. I know it'll help people. Well, thank you so much for having me. This was great. All right, guys, that's all I have for today. I hope you guys really enjoyed this conversation with Michaela. I know I did. I appreciate her transparency and also just her outlook on what you can do after a mental health episode. You are still very capable. And so I think just having this conversation with her was really encouraging. And I hope you guys are encouraged listening to it. I also hope that you take some time to check out Unite Our Light. Honestly, what they're doing is awesome. Like I said in the podcast episode, I've already bought a candle. And so I hope that you would just support in that way. I'll make sure that all the links are in the description box below for you guys to get involved. But with that said, let's go ahead and hop into housekeeping. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you so much for taking the time out of your day to listen to this podcast. It means a lot to me. If you'd like to get involved with us on social media, please follow us on Instagram and on YouTube. 
And if you'd like to support us monetarily, please consider giving to us on Patreon. In exchange for your recurring gift, you'll get exclusive content about everything that's happening behind the scenes in RCA and get a say in the content that we create. With that said, that's all I have for today. And I cannot wait to talk to you guys this Thursday for our solo cast. Have a good one.